Hello and Assalamualaikum Missioners Welcome back to our podcast Borak Policy Where we talk about policies and interesting topic in our country I'm Sofia and accompanied by Monica Hi Sofia And we will be your host for today's episode Week by week, we have shared with you guys about lots of interesting topics. So, in today's episode, we will talk about cybercrime and especially in the financial fraud context. Generally, cybercrime is a criminal activity that involves the usage of a computer, network or a network devices. Mostly, cybercrime is committed by cybercriminals or hackers who want to make easy money. Other than that, it also can be carried out by individual or organization. However, is there any organization that can eradicate cybercrime, Sofia? Of course, Monica. We have cybersecurity to eradicate cybercrime in our beloved country. Cybersecurity Malaysia is a national cybersecurity agency that is being put under the jurisdiction of the Ministry of Communication and Multimedia Malaysia. It is devoted to provide a comprehensive range of cybersecurity innovation-led services, programs and initiatives to minimize the risk of digital systems and also to strengthen Malaysia's cyberspace safe reliance. So, without wasting our time, I am delighted to announce that our guest for today is Mr. Zabri Adil bin Talib, who is the Head of Digital Forensics at Cybersecurity Malaysia. Hello, Mr. Zabri. Thank you for being with us today. How are you feeling today? Hello, hello, Sofia. Yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling great today. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm a bit nervous, yeah, because this is my time doing a podcast interview, but I'll do my best. All right. Glad that you are doing fine, Mr. Zabri. Now let's move to our first question. So, Mr. Zabri, can you please tell us what is the role of Cybersecurity Malaysia and when was the organization first established? Okay, uh, Cybersecurity Malaysia role is basically to be uh, to act as a national technical agency for anything related to matters related to cybersecurity. Okay, and we started uh, back in year 1997 with the the formation of Malaysia Computer Emergency Response Team. Okay, during that time, Malaysia has launched the initiative of uh, Multimedia Super Corridor. If you guys remember back in 1995, and during the internet was introduced to the world. So during that time, there was a meeting between the Prime Minister of that time, which is Tun Mahathir. And then in the meeting, they're asking about if we do all these uh, Multimedia Super Corridor initiatives, what happened if the country has been attacked by the cyber criminal or we're involved in cyber war? You know, that kind of threats. So there is no answer on that. So the meeting was decided to uh, for MIMOS. Uh, during that time, MIMOS under the purview of Ministry of Science, Technology and Innovation to look uh, onto this matter. And they formed uh, Malaysia Computer Emergency Response Team. And four years after that, in 2001, we realized that it's not only about the emergency response team or emergency to an incident, but it's also including uh, the proactive aspect of it, not only the responsive aspect of it. And then the organization expanded and we being rebranded as the National ICT Security Emergency Response Center, known as NICER, where we cover both aspects, uh, responsive aspect and also the proactive aspect of anything related to uh, cyber emergency. And back in 2005, uh, the cabinet decided to spun off uh, NICER from MIMOS because MIMOS is more towards R&D kind of organization. 
So in the beginning, yes, uh, we focus on the R&D of cybersecurity aspect of the technology uh, aspect of cyberspace. But in 2005, uh, we are more towards the operational kind of organization, not really into uh, R&D kind of organizations. That's why we, we, we spun off from MIMOS and we reported directly uh, to the MOSTI. And back in uh, 2007, again, we were rebranded as uh, Cybersecurity Malaysia. Yeah, because the previous minister, Mosti minister of that time, uh, Allah Yarham uh, Datuk Sri JJ, eh, Jamaluddin Jarjis, he don't like the name Nicer, you know, because every time he's, he talk about Nicer and then people will like, huh, Nicer? There must be nice, nice people. What kind of organization is that? So because of that situation, he don't want to, he cannot answer because the name is too long. Uh, National uh, ICT Security and Emergency Response Center. So he changed. Your name should reflect whatever that you, sh- you, you are being doing. So they changed to Cyber Security Malaysia to make it easy for people to remember. And also uh, he can uh, avoid that one question. And then back in 2018, uh, we were transferred to be placed under the Ministry of Communication and Multimedia Malaysia uh, from MOSTI. Okay? Uh, this is basically the government's uh, initiative to put all agency related to communication, related to multimedia, related to the network and communication under, under one roof. Uh, so that's how we, we are today. Wow, that must be a journey for the organization itself. Plus, the roles are very interesting to know about. Since our topic for today's episode is focused towards financial fraud, let's move on to the next question. Which act could be used against financial fraud crimes? Okay, uh, there's a lot acts related to the financial fraud. Let's focus on the aspect of fraud itself. Fraud considered as cheating. So, mostly the cheating offense will be put under the penal code. We have a penal code uh, section 414, section 418, section 420. Okay, uh, 415 is uh, related to cheating. Whoever, by deceiving any person or not such deceptions, was a sole or main inducement, fraudly uh, or dishonestly induces the person so deceived to deliver any property or any person who ought to consent or that any person shall retain any property or intentionally induces the person so deceived to do omit or to do anything uh, which he would not do or omit to do if he would not so deceive. It's, it's quite long. Huh? This is, you know, the, the, the legal word or omission causes or is likely to cause damage or harm to any person in body, mind, reputation, property is said to cheat. Huh? The term is cheat. But we need to understand when you're talking about cheat, the action has already been done that we can call cheat or fraud. So as for the section 418, Cheating with knowledge that wrongful loss may be thereby caused to a person whose interest the offender is bound to protect. So this is more related to conducting cheating with the knowledge of that it will make some other parties loss. And then section 420, cheating with dishonestly inducing delivery of the property. So this act already covered the aspect of cheating itself. So when you talk about financial fraud, it's related to uh, financial aspect of law. 
So usually most people who conduct offense in financial fraud can be also charged uh, using Banking and Financial Institute Act 1989. We, we have uh, section 25 in bracket one, illegal deposit taking. So this act enforced by the National Bank of Malaysia. And then we also have a Security Industry Act 1983. So this is under security commissions. Uh, whereby it focuses on prohibits the abetting in making a misleading statement to Bursa Malaysia, which means that if you have a company private listed, so every year they have to provide statement to Bursa Malaysia if they're conducting or they provide misleading information, it is actually an offense. It's something that uh, we can classify as a fraud too. And also under section uh, 87A, abetting a scheme to defraud investors and trading in futures contract without license. For example, like Ponzi scheme. So this kind of act was used to protect people or to protect investors when they bring uh, defraud by the perpetrator. And another aspect of that, we also can use Amlatfa. I think Amlatfa is uh, Anti-Money Laundering uh, Activities Financial Act. Terrorism financial, uh, Financing, sorry. Anti-Money Laundering and Anti-Terrorism Financing Act. Okay, uh, So this is uh, an act that we can use to charge someone because it prohibits any person from engaging in or attempting to engage in or abetting the commission of money laundering activities. Uh, so this is uh, a very powerful act. And other than that, we also have Amlat Fapua, anti-money laundering, anti-terrorism financing, and proceeds of unlawful activity acts, 2001. So this is the expansion of Amlatfa, whereby it's not limited to anti-terrorism uh, financing, but it's also related to the proceeds of unlawful activities. For example, uh, gangsterism. They uh, raid to a suspect house and then they found a lot of money. Okay, uh, if you can remember Datuk Vicky case whereby this guy have a lot of money. So, and then he cannot prove the source of that money. So, they, he can be charged under this act. We also have uh, Capital Markets and Services Act. Uh, this is under security commissions, similar to Security Industry Act. Okay, uh, to protect the investors from any kind of fraud. And then uh, we also have the Communication and Multimedia Act 1998 under Section 233, Improper Use of Network Facilities or Network Service. And fraud or cheating also can be classified as illegal or improper use of network. So it can be defined under that at by means of any network facility or network service or application service knowingly creates or solicits and initiate the transmission of any comments, requests, suggestion, any communication that is obscene, indecent, false, menacing or offensive. So we can say that false can be also considered as an act to fraud or to cheat people. Wow, that was interesting. Now we are aware that cybercrime is not a minor issue in our country. Especially during this pandemic, people might be worried about their money flow and monthly income. That means this is the best time for cybercriminals to do their dirty job. So Mr. Zabri, which cybercrime techniques in financial fraud do you consider the most dangerous? 
It depends on the damages that it causes to what extent. If you talk about cybercrime, the most dangerous part or the most cruel, I would say, the cruel technique or cyber attack is the ransomware. And nowadays, ransomware is the most used technique by the uh, cyber criminal syndicate. You know what happened when they put you on the ransomware? They basically send malicious software to encrypt the whole data of yourself, of your organization. In cyber world, information is the property. Because in order for you to come up with that kind of data, you have to do many things. It is very valuable. So you imagine your business, uh, everything, all the data, all the customers' data, all the documents, all the intellectual property inside your server has been encrypted, which means that you cannot access it at all. It can cost you to the extent that your company will be closed down if you don't have any uh, proper security plan to your organization. So uh, it is very crazy whereby nowadays the cyber criminal uh, not only encrypt your data, but they also steal your data. They stole your data and then they sell it in the dark web. So, which means that your customer's data is available and can be bought by other parties, you know, to conduct other fraud. So, this is the most, I would say, dangerous and the most cruel technique as for the cyber attack. Now, there is a quite danger. Especially in our current situation, there are too many cases recorded during this pandemic. This is because people who are unemployed will find various ways for them to generate income and cybercrime is one of them. Let's move to the next question now. Mrs. Abri, what are the consequences for individuals who commit financial fraud crime? The individuals or the person who commits financial crime, of course, okay, they will face imprisonment where if they found guilty. Uh, if we have uh, all the digital evidence in place, all the fact in place, uh, of course, they will get it, you know, at least like uh, five years of imprisonment. But just now we talk about ransomware. So this is kind of attacks being conducted by a syndicate. So... When we talk about syndicate, which means that they are very professional, it's difficult to trace them, to bring them to justice because they work around the world. Sometimes the syndicate consists of uh, multiple hackers, various hackers from various parts of the world. But there are other type of offense or type of uh, cybercrime, the scam, scammers. Scammers also still a, a syndicated kind of organization. When, when I say uh, organization, which means that they do it professionally, they do it for their living, which means that they studied people's behavior to conduct their attack. Yeah? They use uh, the, the recent trends in the society to make it so real and then you will fall for it. A love scam also similar like that. Yeah? So a type of cybercrime that we can bring them to justice is, you know, something like illegal access, which means that you illegally access a document or a file that belongs to other people. And then you, you also conduct uh, damage by deleting a data or modifying a data. So this type of action uh, is considered as uh, cybercrime. As for the offender or the cyber criminal, when they face the justice, they did their time. So when they go out from the prison, they will face the impact of their individual quality of life. 
these people will have ex-convict will have problems for employment. So ex-convict also will have uh, problems when they want to rent or they want to do property leasing. Their professional license, professional registration will be uh, revoked. And at some country, they don't accept person with uh, criminal records to enter to that location, which means they have a travel uh, restriction. And sometimes uh, we have problems in child custody application. And then if the, the person who convict is a, ju- uh, is a juvenile, he will uh, have problems to enter, to admit to any college or higher institution, institute uh, learning. They also will have problem if they want to apply for uh, migration. For example, if you want to move to migrate to Australia, migrate to Thailand. So when you have a criminal record, so we'll have problem. And lastly, I would say the family and public perception will look you uh, negatively. Especially, you know, nowadays where the information is just a click away, just a click of a button, everything is there. Uh, so think twice uh, before you uh, commit crimes. Uh, I, I say this not only to focus on financial fraud crime, but all type of crime. Every crime must have its own punishment. Even cybercriminals should face a hefty punishment for their wrong deeds. So, Mr. Zabri, we would like to ask what are the recent actions that your organization has taken to combat financial fraud from spreading amnesia? Okay, uh... We must look financial fraud as a risk and then to avoid from being a victim, uh, we need to manage the risk. When things happen, things happen. I would say like uh, you cannot uh, expect that you will become a victim, but there is a risk for you to become a victim. Uh, These are the things that we can control. So one of the ways of managing the risk is basically to know how to reduce the risk or to mitigate the risk by uh, implementing suitable set of control. And then this control must be established, must be implemented, must be monitored, must be reviewed, and must be improved wherever, whenever necessary. Let's take a look at your house. If you don't put a set of control, for example, uh, you lock the door and then you install a a security grill and then you install a security fence and then you put a CCTV. So that is basically a set of control to make it difficult for the criminal to conduct their criminal activities. So this is security. So similar to the cyber world. Okay, we need to understand that in cyber world, we need to uh, identify or know about our asset, which means that the asset is the money, the asset is the data, the asset is the intellectual property. Yeah? And then once you identify your asset and then you come up with a plan on how to protect it by reducing the risk. In IT world, risk is vulnerability. Vulnerability is basically the weaknesses in a computer program or in a computer system. You know, sometimes the programmer, when they, they do the coding or programming, they don't really see the whole picture, the big picture. They always focusing on the operational aspect of it. They just want to make things work. That's all. 
they they don't have this uh, security mindset. So uh, this is where uh, cybersecurity uh, Malaysia always strive to improve how these people, especially Malaysians, uh, manage our cyber risk management. Uh, adapting the physical world risk management philosophy by adapting that kind of philosophy to the cyber world. Uh, we launched a cybersecurity empowerment program, uh, which we brand as the Cyber Casa program. It is actually the foundation of a comprehensive, holistic development of cybersecurity, okay, whereby it includes human process and the technological components in public, private and industrial and also the community organization. So basically, we try to give knowledge to the people how to manage the risk, where to look, uh, the human aspect of it, the process aspect of it, and also the technological aspect of it. Uh, we need to balance all these three, especially when, when you're performing or doing something uh, critical. So these three aspects is the most important part of it. The people must be competent. And then you must have a process, SOP. So now we are dealing with COVID-19. So you must follow SOP. So that is actually the process aspect of it. But people are very stubborn and then they are very creative. Uh, that's why people is always the, the, the weakest link uh, of it. But in, as for the IT aspect of it, for example, IT department, uh, they need to focus on this aspect of competence, process improvement, and the technology they use, especially for financial institutions, for banks, credit facilities. So they need to have a very good cyber defense. If the cyber criminal manage to bypass or manage to infiltrate to your system and then they manage to steal something, you make sure that you'll be able to retaliate in terms of uh, by bringing them to the justice. So we call this as a forensic readiness aspect of it. Uh, we are trying to create awareness, giving uh, technical trainings to the financial institution so that they are competent and then they understand their process and also they, are, they know which technology to invest and implement in their organization. That sounds really interesting. We hope that the action taken could really help reduce the cyber criminal cases here in Malaysia. Okay, Cik Zamri, now on to the final question. In what situation could be classified as cybercrime and how does the organization pinpoint the severity of the crime? Cybercrime happens uh, when there is a damage or loss to a person. And then this damage or this kind of losses is as per according to Malaysian law because the perpetrator, the one who, the, the offender who commit the crime will be punished by the Malaysian authorities. We need to take a look at the policy. We need to look at the law. Uh, so the law will, will, the guide that can say that, okay, this is a criminal uh, activities or not. But as for the organization, organization is different uh, because it happens in their property. So they can come up with their own law. Uh, I would say that their own policy. So the action that can they take is basically to, you know, to fire or terminate the staff uh, employment or maybe cut their salary or cut their benefits because they are conducting this kind of activities that offend people. Sometimes, you know, like uh, harassment. 
sexual harassment uh, in 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 the workplace. So this also uh, can be considered as a, a, a crime because there is a loss uh, because the damage to the mental uh, to the to the health of uh, the mental health of the victim. Cyberbully, I would say, cyberbully. Cyberbully also uh, can be considered as an offense, but the damage is not really uh, impactful compared to the criminal activities. Sometimes, I, or you know, like you are accessing a database of your company using your colleagues' uh, username and ID. Okay, this is con also considered as a, a violation to the policy. So it depends uh, to the top management of the company. So it is very important for the management to have a good understanding of uh, cybercrime. If the top management uh, realize or aware of cybersecurity aspect of it, if they have a security mindset, so they'll be able to set uh, this kind of severities uh, because they are the one who knows what is the most valuable asset? So most of the punishment can be set based on uh, this type of uh, how valuable of the asset. Well, all thanks to the acts and policies that exist in the country, we still can fight against cybercrime. Even though not everyone has been affected by it, they will still be uh, considered a threat on the possibility of committing a crime on social networks. Thus, we have to be alert about the potential threat of cybercrime. We hope that people can be more careful and never commit anything that is against the laws and policies. Also not to forget, thank you so much Mr. Zabri for spending your time with us today and giving us a lot of information about cybercrime. We truly appreciate it. Now that the episode has come to the end, we hope that our fellow listeners could take precautionary measures when dealing with things online and please be more careful while using your devices. Again, thank you Mrs. Abri for joining us today. That's all from Sofet and I. We hope that everyone continue to practice social distancing, wearing your mask and sanitizing your hand regularly. Also, don't forget to follow us on our Instagram at EmissionCMP and till next time with us, Borak Policy. Thank you everyone. Till we meet again. Bye, Bye Emissioners.